0: Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for a, the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's
1: good to be back again. Very eventful weeks and days and hours, sometimes minutes, but a difficult time.
0: Yeah, no question about that. It's funny how... Just as this era of uh, advanced technology, the era we're in now, this much advanced, just as it was dawning, uh, you and I had spoken years ago about what it's going to do about the speed of everything that's going on. And it is, as you say, literally up to the minute. Sometimes things turn within seconds, and it's sometimes very scary to watch and be part of. But it does, in fact, keep us on our toes. The latest from the Middle East is that many people are waiting with anticipation as the leader of Hezbollah is scheduled to make a public appearance and speak about the current war in one hour and 15 minutes from now. Um, I know that Israeli television has decided not to broadcast it live. Part of the psychological terror, they believe, that he and the enemy continues to uh, aim at Israel. So they've decided not to air it, but obviously they'll be reporting on what he says. Uh, What do you think of this bravado of announcing a public appearance, Uh, Nasrallah speaking, and do you have any clue what he might or may not say?
1: Well, I wouldn't describe it necessarily as a public appearance, because I don't think he's going to do it before a live audience, as far as I know. At uh, least they haven't described the audience. Uh, he lives as he should, as a rat in a hole, uh, because he doesn't mind sacrificing the life, the lives of both Lebanese and his own uh, Hezbollah uh, terrorists. But he himself lives in seclusion because he's out of fear that he will be targeted. And so his words today are going to be important to see if there's an indication that they're going to ramp up their involvement, you know, they have fired missiles, they have taken lives of Israeli soldiers, they've tried to um, have incursions across the border of various kinds, but we have seen a real onslaught that we believe Hezbollah is capable of with 150,000 missiles there, many of them with advanced guidance systems and uh, often with larger payloads than some of what we've seen from the south on the individual rockets. And the fact that they have 150,000 uh, and could launch several thousand a day, uh, which would uh, could overwhelm the, uh, the defense systems, both the Arrow and the um, Iron Dome and David Sling. So his, the, everybody is going to be studying his words to see what, what he indicates um, that they're going to do.
0: I spoke, uh, I mean, I spoke earlier today with Ariel Kahana. You know him well, responsible member of the media, has been with us on JMN. He His theory is that, um, or his guess, educated guess, is if he hasn't gotten into the war till this point, right, we're about to hit a month, if Nasrallah hasn't uh, engaged with Israel until this point, the likelihood is that he will not engage starting from now. Do you agree with that?
1: I think it's a legitimate argument that uh, he has not fully engaged. That was my point. And what they've done may be what he thinks is the minimum required. As you know, Hamas leadership have made fun of them and ridiculed them. And he, in turn, ridiculed their, the leadership of Hamas living in Qatar in luxury, while the people in, Qatar, in Gaza itself, obviously, uh, are suffering under the uh, circumstances that their leadership created. Uh, so they, the fact that you have them mocking each other and insulting each other w- was something. So he may feel the need to do this, to have a verbal assault on Israel. They know the price that they will pay. And I'm not sure, it, it, and it depends, on what Iran is willing to pay. They don't want to see Hezbollah destroyed at which could well happen, and Lebanese people are tired of Hezbollah. They pay the heavy price for them being there and for their tolerance of them. They, um, you know, the economy is in ruins. They they take over people's homes. Many of the houses in in southern Lebanon have, you know, a dining room, living room, and rocket room. They they use human shields. They they use the cover of the, of civilian houses. So Nasrallah is. Um, is, is maybe doing this in order to legitimate his the position he's taken till now he can use verbal violence to substitute for real violence because the the people in Lebanon don't want them to do it and they know the retaliation this time will be different because last time Hezbollah was not the government or in the government. Now they are the government essentially and so every target is a legitimate target that which was not the case at the last war. Now, also, you know, their capabilities are great. They can stimulate attacks from Syria, from Iraq, and, of course, they're tied to the Houthis as well. So Israel hopes to be able to limit this to one major front with being on full alert. There are 100,000 soldiers in the north. There are all sorts of capabilities, including Iron Dome. And, of course, you have the presence of the fleet and the aircraft carriers, Right off the coast of Lebanon, and that has to be a deterrent, because the firepower there is very great. You know, the the number of planes doubles Israel's air force when you take the two aircraft uh, carrier groups together. Um, that hopefully will. Deter, you know, any
0: kind of physical escalation. It's interesting that Hamas criticizes leadership of Hezbollah for staying out because th- there are rumors that Hamas's uh, massacre plan actually was came from a blueprint by Hezbollah. And, and someone told me that I don't, know, I don't know if you can authenticate this. Someone told me that the that the real fear up north uh, and the reason that Israel evacuated so many cities at the very north of the country was not out of fear of uh, Nasrallah, was more out of fear that Hezbollah might imitate Hamas, taking their own meaning, taking Hezbollah's blueprint, and God forbid, carry out or try to carry out similar massacres as went on a month ago. Have you heard anything like that?
1: Well, certainly, because they've been probing for much more than a month or, or longer. They tried to cross the border. They've had hang gliders. Uh, they've had, um, you know, shootings they 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 have the tunnel infrastructure, much of which was detected. Some of which it may not be detected. That's a major concern. I've been in those tunnels. They are so sophisticated and so uh, frightening. And because they are they're, they're done sort of as a spiral. It's not that they build across until they get down and then they go across. So it's much harder to detect it. And uh, you know you can probe for a regular tunnel and. All you have to do is hit it at some point. Here, it's only the narrow area of the actual, you know, spiraling staircase down, and then it goes across. Second, uh, the, the the all of this comes from the same source. The training, the, the plans, all comes from Iran. IRGC officials and trainers were in Gaza and were working with Hezbollah. The meeting between Hezbollah, Hamas. And it's, uh, that took place with Iranians um, a couple months ago was probably tied to this. And they, so when you say that they could replicate anything that ha- that Hamas has, Hezbollah has plus much more, because they were the main and, and beneficiary of Iranian terror money and, and support. And their infrastructure is big. They are present in many countries, including in South America and maybe in America. And they are, uh, uh, I think, a more virulent threat than Hamas is. Uh,
0: Did you hear that his speech today is likely going to be in Persian as opposed to Arabic? I don't know if he normally speaks Persian when he speaks publicly, but have you heard that? Have you heard anything like that? Because I've not heard that, that wouldn't make much sense. I think it'll be translated into Persian. Well, there are people <laughs> conjecturing, as a, as an homage, so to speak, to Iran, that he would deliver the speech in Persian. But that's you know, again, all these things we hear. Who knows what's true? Who knows what's not? All right, I'll do this in a whole, you know, in, in a whole package here because uh, I think it'll be easier to to ask you for an answer if I put it all together. Um, Secretary of State has landed in Israel, meeting with Israeli officials as we speak. The President of the United States, at least according to American news sources, is, uh, is continuing his efforts to encourage a pause for humanitarian aid and maybe other uh, considerations as well in terms of the hostages of Prime Minister Netanyahu. And there are rumors, at least according to news sources like the New York Times, I don't know if they're reliable or not, that the Prime Minister himself is considering some type of significant ceasefire, of significant means time-wise or, 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 um, or uh, weapon-wise. But some type of significant ceasefire, which you need to address in your answer, if that would be political suicide for him, because we know the attitude of the country. You know, we've both been there and we've spoken to people, and you know that there would be a tremendous outrage if things stopped now. What could you tell us about the U.S. involvement, their statements, and a potential ceasefire? So, uh,
1: I mean, the U.S. has uh, has remained committed at the United Nations and other places. Uh, but this talk of, not of a ceasefire, they're talking about humanitarian pause. There's a difference. A ceasefire means that everybody puts the weapons, a pause could mean, you know, three, four hours where um, the trucks are allowed in or other assistance or mostly getting people out, which is what I think the administration is under pressure because there's several, there were, there were a couple hundred Americans, I think, got out. Uh, so far, or or perhaps even under 100, and there are estimates of up to 400 amongst the residents, or maybe even more. I've seen a number as high as 1,000 in Gaza. So um, I think that the president, perhaps, feels the need to balance the the full-throated support that he's given, the fact that we have the aircraft carriers there, and that the aid package for 14-plus billion dollars uh, is working its way through Congress. It was passed by the House uh, yesterday with an overwhelming vote, but the Senate has other plans, so I'm not sure that this bill, the bill in this form or the aid in this form will be passed. Uh, it, they want to tie it to aid to Ukraine because they know that that otherwise would not get through, and uh, there's also money there for security on their southern border, and the money would be made up, they said, from the 72,000 agents that the IRS was going to hire uh, according to legislation that was passed last, this past year. Uh, so the, the question first is the definition of what, what it is that's being asked. I'm sure right. this secretary of state is going to be pressing B.B. about it. And B.B. has very limited options here. You know, his popularity uh, has uh, sunk very low. Uh, he is very concerned about retaining the support of the people for the war effort. I mean besides his own political uh, per, uh, situation and the the message that it would send also if if allowed they will move, use the terrorists will use this opportunity to reposition themselves to move around equipment to be able to go through the tunnels which Israel has successfully been targeting over the last uh, days and hitting many of them and If you saw some of the videos down. They showed them that they 're like sixty meters underground wow. that you have to they they go all the way down, and there's a video of a reporter a foreign reporter who was permitted to go in there and to do it because they want the, you know again they want to instill fear they want to show what they 've accomplished they want to intimidate by virtue of it and that 's why Israel has asked that people not share a lot of the videos and things that the terrorists are putting out. Because it's uh, you know it it scares people it it intimidates them and fuels terrorism because it instills terror in people the the and the unknown is the biggest terror in this case in most cases so when when what we'll hear today will be very important I know there's no press conference after meeting the prime minister and meeting the war cabinet Uh, there was supposed to be some press availability after his meeting with the President Herzog uh, and uh, so we'll learn a lot more about what, what this visit would yield. They also, I think are talking about the day after to try to create some sort of a mechanism that if, if Hamas is really destroyed you can't just leave the vacuum and Israel doesn't want to stay in as an occupier or, or they have no territorial aspirations they, they want nothing from this except the security and safety of their people. But to allow Hamas to emerge in some form after this as the government of Gaza would be a defeat. So that, I think, is the other issue on the agenda.
0: And, of course, that would replicate what's happened in 2009, in 2014, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's essentially what we had, right? We had a a, a, a a very bruised and very wounded Hamas, but one that stayed in power in Gaza.
1: And then yeah. could rally the people and say, "Look, we, you know, we survived. Look how many people we killed, how many lives we took." And uh, and you know, then they're, they're indifferent to the lives of their people. They have extol death. Parents celebrate when their children get killed and and carry out as the long they kill
0: the Jews in the process. Uh, Everything you're saying, unfortunately, is so right and so true. And we should, of course, acknowledge the soldiers who uh, were taken from us this week by the enemy. Uh, the pri- The price is very painful. the price for the uh, for our brothers and sisters in Israel very painful. Some of the stories are even more difficult to take, especially when so many Americans are familiar with some of the families that are suffering at the moment. I, of course I'm thinking of uh, Padaya Mark whose father was killed in a terrorist attack and many many people in this audience through yeshiva Shraga dealt with his father over the years, who was a wonderful person. I knew him. And of course, now his son is one of the victims. Imagine what their family's going through. And we also have to recognize Private Ori Megadish. Do, do you have any? I mean, I know that you know the movie hasn't come out yet. I get it, but have you heard anything about how, how they rescued her? How Israeli forces were able to get her out? I've heard
1: rumors, but frankly, it's it's better unsaid because you have a lot of other hostages and whatever yeah. means they use. The time will come for you know, talking about those details. This is not it.
0: No, I hear that. All right, you got to address the airport incident and the JCC uh, being vandalized in the same city. In in what is Russia or not Russia, you will tell us exactly how that works. I know it's a complicated geography in that region of the world. The episode is very familiar to most people. They've seen the videos of mobs trying to find Jews who, rumor had it, uh, were landing in the airport uh, from Israel. What could you tell us about that very scary episode?
1: well it 's a Muslim population these are Shiites uh, often, and they are radicalized like many others you know the, There are areas in Russia like chechnya and and uh, others that that you know have populations that are influenced by Iran and that have the, that pose a real challenge to Putin too. I discussed this with him twenty years ago, thirty years ago and made the case that, you know, he faces this. And he said, we in Israel are the only this is even before he was prime minister, he was head of the KGB. And he recognized the fact that we in Israel are the only ones who face this every day, inside our borders, the dangers of the radical Islam, et cetera. So now, of course, he's he's doing everything to, to just assure his own political future and uh, the burden the, of the war he's, he is uh, directly engaged in. Uh, we were very disappointed by, not disappointed, but uh, angered by the um, comments that's made as Prime Minister Lavrov made the, the meetings with Iranian officials in Moscow and with Hamas officials uh, in Moscow. And this is, uh, you know, the um, uh, very dangerous and, and expressing support. With, uh, he, he did modify after the attack some of his comments, uh, Putin but uh, not, not uh, reflective of the relationship that was supposedly in existence. They, they, so these people found out that a, a Red Sky plane, which is a derivative airline of, uh, from Russia, uh, was landing from Israel, and they brought hundreds People came to the airport, broke through all the security barriers and lines, and in fact, because of it, the plane was diverted, but they knew where it was diverted to, and they showed up there as well. Oh, my gosh. That I didn't know. With blood in their eyes, they checked every single car leaving the airport, and had people had to produce their passports to show that they weren't Israeli. So you know what they would have done had they found an Israeli or I guess even somebody Jewish. Right. They, they uh, eventually dispersed, the police dispersed it, took control of it, and the people were uh, allowed to go. Uh, it doesn't bode well for the future there for the Jewish community, which is not that large, um, but it could spread to the other stuns. You know, they have a lot of stuns. In fact, the history of the Jews in Central Asia is a really very glorious one in places like Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, where Jews have lived for 20,000 years and literally a little anti-Semitism. And many Jews were taken in, uh, remember these were Soviet republics then, during World War II, about 250,000 in Uzbekistan, uh, about 100,000 I think in, in Kazakhstan and 60,000 in, in um, Azerbaijan. And they, you know, when you can walk with a yarmulke in the streets and nothing happens, you can, uh, they have Jewish schools there. So it's, um, but Dagestan is, is a much more unique uh, situation and it's a small place uh, with a radicalized population. And Iranian influence permeates the whole area. And people don't don't realize, you know, how far the tentacles reach.
0: In general, whatever level of um, violence has been manifested by the level of hatred in recent years, you know, we we know what's happened in Europe. You know, the 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 the, the atmosphere there has led to attacks on Jews. The atmosphere there has been has led to you know people who have mezuzas on their door actually being attacked. I mean, we've seen that, and obviously what what you just described is you know something we can't relate to. Thank God, a mob coming literally wanting to you know to hang Jews, but here in the United States, Malcolm, I and mean, I know we addressed part of this last week. Um, it, it is getting scary how much more vocal, violent, and impatient the other side is getting when Jews are around. Whether it means surrounding Jews on campuses and making them feel very uncomfortable, obviously the cases of you know Jews being locked in uh, libraries, etc. We addressed that last week, but we are just we're, we're getting concerned. We keep saying, you know, hey, we're going to turn into Europe. It looks like we're going in that direction where if someone is caught a jew is caught in a you know a difficult circumstance god knows what could happen at this point now i know that government officials law enforcement etc public safety in this country we rely on them a lot and we're hoping that they're able to stem the tide on all this but can you give us a reassuring word that it might be different still here than in other parts of the world
1: well i think it is different um for instance the polls show that overwhelming support And uh, and as you said, the officials, the law enforcement, there were special meetings going on about anti-Semitism. The administration launched all sorts of programs. Department of Education met with the Jewish leaders to talk about how to improve the situation on the campuses and to, to the pressure. That is receiving to invoke Title six uh, we'll have lawsuits where we have a chance in in many courts to really get at the universities and others who for their negligence for endangering Jewish life. but there is a very disturbing trend this is not what we saw in it and it moved in there, but it had to be quiet today. it no longer has to be quiet and people because students on campuses, you know, march and carry signs and say all sorts of terrible things about Jews. Often they're wearing masks, which is a sign of how courageous they are. Yeah. Uh, and and especially after some law firms started retracting their offers to, to law students on some of the campuses. And then all of a sudden these kids say, oh, no, it wasn't me. I didn't know. I didn't know what I signed. I didn't read it. I didn't, you know, he's college educated, but he can't read a piece of paper uh and also the fact that businesses <sighs> yeah. are saying we're not going to hire and and it's easy enough because people take movies of these uh, demonstrations and some of the more virulent uh, demonstrators who have engaged in physical violence to go around tearing down the sides of the hostages that's on the minor side but have also surrounded Jewish students have you know at the library they claim that the door was not locked the cooper mm-hmm. union wasn't but the fact is that instead of saying we're going to take care and get rid of the, the demonstrators that people are threatening. They tell the Jewish students to go into to, uh, a hiding. situation where uh, they're hiding and don't come out of your dorms or don't do things. That's the, and not the answer to this. And we're going to see a shift in what universities to which do go. I, I had calls from parents all the time, It long for a while, but now intensely. Who are in New York universities, NYU, Columbia in particular, right. where the feeling, let alone Cooper Union, after the events there.
0: But, but you know, when you see the Brooklyn Bridge last Shabbos and the you know the the protest that that spilled from Crown Heights to the bridge and then into lower Manhattan. And you you hear about what's supposed to happen tomorrow. There's supposed to be a massive demonstration in Washington. Again, you and I discussed whether some of this stuff is unprecedented because you did tell us that in public places like Times Square, there have always been, you know, free Palestine rallies at different points in the last 30, 40 years, which I get. But it just seems it's ramped up to a rhetoric and a heat that is hotter than ever. And that, God forbid, if a Jew is walking through a certain neighborhood in, even in New York and New Jersey, forget about other parts of the country that, are, that might be less tolerant or might be more violent. Uh, they're, they they could be taking their life into their hands, and that's you know that's really scary for these times.
1: It's very scary for any times, particularly now because people translate their threats into deeds, and the, the language of violence always leads to deeds of violence, and. We are seeing the deeds of violence is over 300 percent increase in the anti-Semitic attacks. They say we know that the bulk of people, American people, reject this. That they still stand in support of Israel. The fact that in not in Congress we have more than 90 percent support in both houses is a reflection of it. But we see shifting even on that, and in the media, which when you have places like NPR and others with their one-sided. A horrific coverage always making the case against israel with very little balance and the 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 rhetoric that you referenced is changing and and that they feel freer to engage in open threats yep. you know from the river to the sea means yep. the destruction of israel you, you know it's a clever way to do it because they can hide behind some a slogan but yeah. in fact, and 90
0: percent of them don't even know what it means but okay yeah.
1: And many of them don't know the situation. I always wanted to go with a map uh, and say, just show me where Gaza is. I guarantee you that this majority could. But there was a, a guy who was doing uh, a poll about, and he was saying it will take, but he asked students um, to do that, would they support a petition that Hamas should take over Gaza, uh, the Palestinians. And everybody, these kids were all saying, yes, yes, we're for it, for it. And he said, well, let me read you some, and he, to each of them. He said, I have to read you first, you know, the, the notes on it, what it says, and they'd say uh, the rights of women are suspended they, and go through all of the practices of Hamas. <laughs> and, and one by one, the students say, oh no, I don't support that. I don't support that. That the death to infidels, if you're a Christian or Jew or a, or a Muslim who believes otherwise, that they can kill you. No, no, I don't believe that. And and he just showed that they had no idea what Hamas really represents and what the, these movements stand for.
0: Speaking of Congress, by the way, what was your reaction when the House on Wednesday uh, did not censure uh, Rashida Tlaib? I mean, there were some Republicans who did not vote to censure her. There were some Democrats who, frankly, I don't know, you know, who are very, very close friends of Israel that I thought would vote otherwise. What do you think of that whole thing? Well, uh,
1: I, I mean, obviously, I'm very disappointed about the outcome and that, um, you know, the the fact that it came close, but, you know, close doesn't matter in these instances. Right. And the, uh, the, you know, the, the thing about, you know, collegial something or the other in Congress where people are reluctant to engage in it, because some of the people who voted for her immediately came out and criticized her because, um, uh, you know, they they said it was a matter of free speech and we don't. I'm a free speech advocate and therefore I voted that way certainly some of the Republicans, I think, fit that category. But it's disappointing when you have somebody who engages in that kind of rhetoric and that kind of direct attack on the Jewish people on Israel. There has to be some consequence. In, in public it. rallies,
0: That's by it. the way, not in a political arena where she's making a statement from the floor of the, of the House, but in public rallies and demonstrations that are calling for Israel's destruction.
1: And it's incitement no different than January 6th, uh, uh, you know, that, right. that if people are held to account right. for the threats that they pose when you're, when you're inciting violence, and as you said, there are going to be big demonstrations in Washington, there will be, a big demonstration, Jewish demonstration, next week in in Washington, November fourteenth, and I hope everybody will start to work on it. And and there is November sixth in New York. Um, you have details
0: people, on those two? We need details on those two.
1: Yeah. So the one one in New York is going to be on November sixth in the evening, in the late afternoon. I think five o'clock. I don't know the exact time uh, on the west side near 86th Street and Central Park West, or 84th Street and Central Park West, and the one in Washington will be November 14th at 1 p.m. Uh, on the, in, in near the Capitol or at the Capitol, and hopefully there will be a, sh- a showing that will dwarf the one that will be taking place in. Um, this, this weekend in Washington, it's a chance to show the world where we stand, hope you know, that every community will mobilize and support these events. Everybody calls me and says, you know, why don't we have it? Why don't we have it? We find, And we pushed hard for it for a long time. Now we have it. And let's see people now take the responsibility to make sure that this is, we're not asked to go to a front. We're not asked to pick up weapons when we go. We're asked just simply to get a ticket and go down there, organize buses, take planes, trains, whatever means to be at these um, at these manifestations.
0: All right, I'm glad you mentioned that. The 6th of November, which is a Monday, folks, that's uh, this coming Monday. Um, obviously, tune in Monday morning. We'll give you all the details. And the 14th of November, when I think we might be broadcasting from Israel, but certainly we'll encourage everybody on this side of the world to get to Washington and make that a massive showing, 1 p.m. at the Capitol in Washington. Again, I'm sure Malcolm will, uh, over the weekend... Uh, Send me uh, further details, and I'll let the audience know early next week. Uh, What's the what is? I'm going to ask you what the exact situation is. I don't think anybody can answer that question. But what is now going on at the crossing to Egypt? Are all American citizens uh, being allowed to leave Gaza? Uh, Does this include those who are abducted and are also American citizens? What what is happening right now?
1: It does not include hostages. Uh, that were taken from Israel. This is right now residents of Gaza who have dual citizenship, American and otherwise. Uh, So they opened up the Rafa crossing. They can only process a small number of people every day because of capacity. So there's a big backlog of people, but uh, there was a a significant number. I think the first day there weren't many Americans. I think after that, uh, I heard there was a sharp increase in the number of of Americans who were processed, and the um, uh, in, in total, I think there are a couple thousand people with dual citizenship. Some don't want to leave; they have families there, and others uh, that have been waiting near the border with Egypt for some time, hoping that the opportunity would be open for them to get out. And uh, they are being processed. Supposedly, there is some process to weed out the terrorists, who will certainly hide amongst them, as they always do, and put civilians in danger. But the, the, the so this process is ongoing. It unfortunately does not include any of the hostages. You know, they found one soldier since, uh, during the past week. And, uh, you know, they're getting into the tunnels, they're getting into the areas that are, the, uh, that they've cut Gaza in half, Dividing the north and the south, they've surrounded Gaza City, uh, where a lot of the leadership is and have been operating out of the tunnel network, as I mentioned before, is so impressive uh, uh, how much they invested, which is why they don't have shelters, why they don't have more hospitals, why they don't have facilities, because all the money went into building these elaborate tunnels and the whole network that underlies much of Gaza City, part of Gaza itself. And uh, by the way, people should also know when you hear these lies and distortions that Israel cut off the electricity, Israel cut off the water, Israel gives less than 10% of the water into Gaza. They had three pipelines. The, the, the Hamas blew up two of them. Oh, God. Israel re- rebuilt one. There are 10 lines of electricity that go in from Israel. Hamas destroyed nine of them. The, the, the fuel, there are a million liters of fuel is sitting in, in in Hamas's hands. And you see the stories, there are reports even today, uh, I don't know if they're out yet, but yet. they will be out showing recordings of hospital officials complaining that the how Hamas takes away their fuel and, and, and has the control over it. They also take the food, they, you know, they raided UNRWA storehouses, but it was Hamas that did it, and they can't keep it. They don't give it to the people. And so I could go through all of the charges that are against Israel. You know, they don't have shelters there because all the shelters are, are tunnels that are being used by the terrorists. And, and the,
0: you know, they don't care about the, what happens to the people. Unbelievable. As the uh, Secretary of State is now meeting with the President of Israel, on the streets, I believe in Tel Aviv, are the, um, are the families of the hostages who are just pleading in uh, a rally and demonstration right now that um, that somehow someone figures out how to get them home. And by the way, if you wonder about the depression, and I'm not using the term clinically, in Israel, just imagine that there's now a Knesset committee of how to deal with the orphans of October the 7th. Um, Do you know that there are
1: 20-some orphans under the age of 18 who lost both parents and another 20 from 18 to 24, 96 young people lost at least one parent, and the numbers are still growing because there are a lot of unknowns, and let alone the hostages. So the burden and what what it will be entailed, and what Israel is doing now to to help give funding and daily allocations, and, and to the and finding places to relocate tens and tens of thousands of people. And it's, you know, there's a limited number of hotels, there's a limited number of facilities, people are opening their houses, their apartments to refugees from the south and the north. And it's an amazing demonstration of Abba Yisrael and it's, it's manifested in so many ways. If you want to have to watch any film, watch the films of the army bases all along the south and some in the north where you see Haredim every day going up with cars and trucks, bringing them food, making barbecues for them, dancing with them, giving them chizuk. You know, the the army soldiers asked for 200,000 pairs of tits that even guys who did not wear them before understand. And, and there's so many wonderful things happening, and of course, at a time like this, it's hard to get attention to them.
0: Yeah, On the uh, political front or government front, Jack Lew is now officially ambassador from the United States to Israel. And uh, Malcolm, join me in wishing a mazal tov to Iran, who now chairs the United Nations Human Rights Council Social Forum. That is true.
1: And if you remember, I, I uh, did make reference to it a couple months ago when they got elected or not were nominated for it. And uh, they're also sitting on the Rights of Women Committee of the United Nations, one of the leading abusers of women and, and denier of the rights of women. You see the hypocrisy of the UN, and it's it's consistent. It's visible all the time. The remarks of the Secretary General, which we try to walk back, were absolutely unacceptable and and uh, unforgivable to me. The the whole establishment of the United Nations is is geared. To the persecution of Israel with more resolutions against Israel than all the other countries in the United Nations each year, uh, and the, the you know the references that they make are uh, the debates are just unbelievable and thank God the United States, some European countries, but very disappointingly, France voted uh, with the uh, Arabs and the supporters of terrorism last week
0: unbelievable. Malcolm, as you know, as you know from the parshios that we're reading now, God gives us a lot of challenges, to say
1: the least. But He doesn't want an akeda from us. He didn't want it from Avram Avinu. It was a test to see how Jews, to teach the leaders of the Jewish people, the progenitors, the value of life, not of death. We, they, our enemy extols death; we extol life. They celebrate when their own children die, let alone when they could kill other our children. We. Go out of our way, even for the life of a, of a terrorist, to take them to a hospital and treat them uh, in the same places where some of their victims are. And there's a picture circulating just today about that. Ugh. So it is the difference between us. And that's what we're fighting for. It's, for few, it's not just for today. It's for future generations. It's a war for America, for Western values. This is a war about life. and and people better understand its true significance. Yeah,
0: well, as they say, it's about life, and frankly, it really is the existential war that we never, ever thought would happen. We always talked about it in theory. We talked about it hypothetically, and now so many are saying that this is literally the replay of 75 years ago, Israel's war of independence. Malcolm, I thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week.
1: I'm going to be in Fifth Avenue Synagogue this Shabbos for people who want to come tonight or tomorrow. I'll be speaking there and look forward to seeing the
0: listeners. Good luck with that. Fifth Avenue Synagogue, if you're in the area, folks, and sometimes I'm shocked by how many people come to Manhattan for various reasons for a Shabbat. Malcolm at Fifth Avenue Synagogue, you're invited tonight and tomorrow to hear him and to ask him questions face-to-face about the current situation.